Hi, Jenny. Hi, I'm back. You're back. You're back on Center Subject. That's right. How's it going? I'm feeling centered. You're feeling centered. Good. Yeah, I brought some ice cubes to the episode, which you might hear clanking around. I hope we do. Are they swimming around in whiskey? <laughs> Yeah, it's a very summery situation. Are you a little bit sweaty? I'm going to get sweatier as the episode goes by, everybody. (laughs) And you can interpret that however you want. Um, No, I don't have AC, so, and there's no fan. You're saving the environment. Yeah, because I'm I'm a masochistic, waspy, environment-centered person, and... uh, I want to suffer and I want to limit my my carbon footprint. Your small footprint. I want to make my feet smaller and smaller and my sweat more more prevalent. More prominent. Mm -hmm. A small shower. Yeah, I'm doing a cleanse at the same time that I'm trying to have a really small footprint. So I'm doing it all right now. It's all just condensed on the episode. Penance. It's my penance. It's like my July 4th American white privilege like environmental disaster penance that I'm going to be doing. It's like a durational mm. performance that I'm going to be doing oh, yeah. for the next year and a half. I kind of mean it, actually, which is weird, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, it makes sense somehow. I believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, it sounds fairly believable knowing you um, that you would do that. Yeah. I'm not doing any penance. I feel like <laughs> I just escaped the great natural disaster. It was actually yeah. my worst fear. So I'm in LA as usual so far. I, I have this fear since like living in California that. A disaster, you know, an earthquake will strike when I'm just in some stupid situation. Mostly like if I'm in the shower, you know, when I'm naked and that's when mm-hmm. the earthquake strikes. So today was like not quite that, but it was, you know, I just got out of the shower and I was like wandering around the apartment for actually quite a while, just my towel. And all of a sudden everything started <laughs> shaking because it was just like 6.6 earthquake yeah. somewhere in the desert you know i was just so conflicted about what i should do because i was like well i should get dressed up <laughs> everything was shaking no. so i had a towel on and then i grabbed this blanket from the couch and then i put that on and then i sort of opened the door <laughs> into the courtyard of my apartment building and then wow but then it kind of stopped it started shaking less and then i was like well maybe there's no need to <laughs> to go out Amazing. in public looking like a mummy <laughs> mummy from Egypt. <laughs> In a big white cotton black. (laughs) So then I went back and I I recorded some latent shakes (laughs) that were happening around the apartment, which were fun. Oh my god. Yeah, it was interesting. But then it sort of stopped and it was just a funny experience because I always, you know, I just always have this fear of what do I do if it happens. Not at the right moment. The honest earthquake busts in. And yeah, on 4th of July. Gets you where you are. Which also, you know, seems poignant in of itself. So mm-hmm. um, there's like a small shake, so nothing seemed to break. That's good. It does feel like a reckoning when you told me that. I was like, ah. Mm, yeah, a small thunder. Yeah, it's more like a little roller coaster with a preface yeah. to something larger, maybe. Well, I don't really want it to happen. Kind but. of like how like the medieval people thought or... I don't know, ancient people in general. That's how like accurate the song. my historic <laughs> my history stuff is right now. But yeah, you know, they always thought that eclipses and all of those events were like a referendum on their behavior from the last year, you know? So yeah. that's what I was thinking too when it happened. I was like, yeah. Sure, yeah. I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I also want people to have a sense yeah. of like it's true. A lot of this I mean, I guess holiday the idea of holidays so was previously rooted in kind of a more religious practice or rather it, mm-hmm. and now it, it 
blended ever closely with like national. I guess now we have these national holidays, but it still yeah. it still feels similar, right? And in that way, the idea of reckoning seems accurate. Yeah. Um, yesterday, I'm teaching at a theater camp, and some of my students were like all decked out in their red, white, and blue, and they had little paint on all their cheeks of like red, white, and blue stripes, and it reminded me of uh, <laughs> the best two days. <laughs> I know a little bit of that, which is a little bit cooler, but um, it just reminded me of how British people think it's really rude in general to put the flag out. It's they're really afraid of nationalism in any form, and like European countries in general. Who this might be before Brexit and stuff, mm. you know, because they participated in World War II and saw how terrifying nationalism got. There's this like disdain and fear of it. Oh yeah, are you serious? I feel like it's back yeah. with a bang right now. I know. I mean, there's lots and you know, right. at least from the news. I know, and I think that yeah. might be some of the motivating factors, you know, for the remain yeah. uh the remain side because of how strangely nationalistic they are. But what was weird was that looking at their cheeks, I had this like pang of fear of nationalism just looking at these little you know, innocent children like painted yeah. with this weird team color of our country and yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I guess I'm scared of it now. Um yeah, it's bringing up a lot, maybe for me and maybe probably everybody. Right. I'm not on the nationalistic weird side. Yeah, I think for me it's similar because I guess I also, you know, came of age at the time when the Berlin Wall was breaking and, you know, Soviet Union was collapsing. And so, you know, the idea of borderlessness and kind of fluidity and not being attached to mm. the national idea seems you know, seems the way to be. But yeah, it's coming back, right, in this really big way. It's funny because Belarus is also celebrating, well, actually, they just celebrated. They also have an Independence Day on the 3rd. And Mm -hmm. since it's still very rife with Soviet symbolism, there's a lot of, I mean, like USSR flags and tanks, you know, it's really like a military parade. Mm. Uh, It commemorates World War II liberation. But it's funny because this year, you know, Trump really wanted tanks. Yeah. And he got them, I guess. There's some tanks Mm -hmm. sort of... I don't think they paraded. I think they were sort of strategically placed, judging from photographs. It said they were stationary tanks. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. is that like maybe worse? Possibly because they feel like yeah. no, I don't know. I mean, I guess the parade. Um, you know, when a tank parades, at least it sort of follows an orderly path. You know, and maybe surrounded by other kind of peaceful citizens decked out in florals. You know, but yeah, but when right. it just sort of sits menacingly, is it yeah. possibly even worse? Because I think it kind of brings out this. You know, riot police are sitting and wait, like mm. waiting. You don't quite know what they will do. I guess mm. there's a sinister promise. It's also kind of impotent because it's just sitting there. You know, it mm. can't like go after anything. It's just kind of yeah. like, what's up? I'm a menace. I mean, you can kill people from it, but still, it's like, yeah, it's I don't long, know. Long range. Gonna run away from that. It's not so terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. It also reminds me of my nephew's Nerf guns. The image of the Nerf gun that they they look at, like the, I don't. There was a birthday party at my parents' house, and they were gifted images. And I don't understand what happened, but they were gifted like images. Oh yeah, images of Nerf guns that were coming to them soon. And their Nerf guns are these huge looking semi-automatic weapons. They they're like really accurate 
except that they're in funky kid colors. Mm. And so my little nephews are just like really obsessed with the object of these guns and like the presence of it, which I think is related to Trump's thing where it's like, it's a symbol of potential power. Well, yeah, growing up in Texas and yeah, in a suburb, you would think that yeah, yeah, that's a part of it. It's weird. It's almost I think that there is a fetishization of the image of guns and the meaning of the power of it. That yeah, I think that's been around kind of for a while. With oh yeah, little boys and right the toys, the gun toys. Yeah, and Trump has it too. It's the same exact thing, you know. Sure. I mean, yeah, he's he's kind of like a strange, weird blimpy child totally that gotten himself to the nuclear button yeah and he's like fired half the is it like a half the staff of you know the agency that manages the button or just the nuclear weapons i think there's only four of them left or something i don't know we're probably gonna just blow up soon yeah for the next earthquake uh, well maybe maybe not because they like to just point to the image of the weapon because everybody's fetishizing the weapon and it doesn't necessarily relate to the reality, you know. If they're all in toddler state, <laughs> I guess toddlers do fucked up things, though. Toddlers don't know what they do. They seem drunk. That's <laughs> they true. They always seem really drunk. Well, but Saad, you know, when you're talking about your nephew in Texas. Um, I know. I was thinking, who's so cute. But I was thinking about, obviously, you know, the detention that kids are in. And also yeah. in, in Texas, there are a lot of them. Um, right. And so tragic and awful and super, super sad. Yeah. It's just uber heartbreaking. Yeah. But also how, you know, and it's all over media, you know, it's kind of the usual things that I, I read on a daily basis, which is like a The Guardian, you know, New York Times and all those things. Yeah. But then I went to Fox News website mm. just to see, you know, if there's any mention. And there's nothing, like not a single thing. Not, really? Not about, you know, the investigation, just about that Facebook group really so there's a if someone if you haven't heard which probably everyone heard but there's this facebook group where the border patrol would exchange lewd and let's say violent yeah racist and violent Mm -hmm. yeah just really racist and violent and just horribly mean which is an understatement but just like so awful um so you know they would just talk about their job and kind of celebrating the violent aspects of it and really dehumanizing um, people who are trying to cross the border. And so, but yeah, there was no mention of it whatsoever. It was just really bizarre content, but it's just, it's shocking how different it is, how different the messages are and what parallel realities people really exist in right now and this day to day as well, you know? I think that there's been such a long rhetoric, like a long time use of the rhetoric about and just like the anger of people coming over the border and taking our jobs in their in their world and I know some pretty liberal people in the mind in general Mm. not my family members but just like other random people that I don't know just don't have a lot of money so they feel angry about like you know the idea that there's a line and that you know American citizens are already in the line and so if other people show up they're gonna like cut in line Mm. it's like this concept of how it works so they think it's justice in some way it's so but it's not the correct of course not it's just yeah so they don't even want to think about it because they want to like it's not how it works yeah I i know it's not at all and i think that's kind of one of the big things that's happening and that i don't know i predict that it's going to if it the election doesn't go to trump i think that it'll probably things will start to change a little bit around this because you know it's like the idea of the forgotten man and yeah. the middle class is being so frustrated about being left behind economically and i think that the democrats and 
the whole political system is really trying to answer their their woes, you know, as if they're in a concentration camp right now. But this, I think the thing about it is that they don't really hear these answers right. at all because they're just not privy to them. Mm-hmm. There's just nowhere they would see because there's no kind of centralized um, media outlet right now and everything is so curated to your personal political view that, totally. you know, you, you would just never know. And everything yeah. is sort of couched in this, I think because of the, the frightening S word, you know, socialism. Yeah. I feel like they hear it and... They freak out, yeah. And they kind of freak out without really thinking King. I know. I'd like to know what they're thinking right now, like a normal person. The specter of the Cold War, I guess, like the idea of gray. Yeah, they think it's communism and they think it's like the same kind of communism that existed, you know. Well, they don't even know what it is, really. Yeah, they don't. But, um, I mean, there is data that they're moving away from Trump economically and that they're frustrated yeah. with things. So something's happening and maybe they're just not getting the money that they thought they were going to get. And I think the Democrats can see them moving a little bit based on polling, which now doesn't even feel like it's going to make any sense in terms of what's really happening because of the election. So that's really concerning. Well, I think economically they move, but I think there's this other, you know, there's a kind of economic and then there's a social. And I think socially Trump does hit the right notes of just being left behind, being marginalized, you know, so... And that I feel like even more effective because it's it appeals to the emotion, you know, economics is mm-hmm. it's not really an emotional sort of topic, but when you're talking about values and mm-hmm. history and your identity, those are just much more emotional sort of topics. Right. And and if you're in a racial like monoculture where you're you don't see people of color and you don't see people of different backgrounds, right? It's easy to other, yeah. And so they probably mean well, uh, they just don't understand it. So then they're really rife. And and if you're economically suffering and we're in a weird transitional phase, you know, in this country, I think that it's they're focused on survival more than they are focused on social, uh, social widening social uh, conceptions, especially if they're not around people. It's just crazy to me how, just to go back to the kids in detention, like it's just crazy to me how, you know, like in, in Nazi Germany, when there were concentration camps, you know, and people could say, oh, I just didn't know, even though pe- many people knew. Right. But they were just, well, you know, it wasn't published anywhere. You know, we just saw, they were just shown this footage from Therienstadt, which is kind of like it was like a show, <laughs> the showy, concentration town in which they would you know right. they had this kind of where Jews were living these pleasant lives um, right but that's how they excused it you know that we didn't know but it's crazy that today this information so easily accessible it's so visible it's just completely out there but one could still completely miss that or walk by it and just not encounter it or just dismiss it I guess as falsehood very so easily right I guess that's just frightening in, in that way it's how um just like the manipulation of image and the demagoguery of of lies, somehow like the the word, yeah. it just makes everyone so confused. I think. Yeah. In Germany and in Europe, they didn't find out that they were actually murdering people till very late in the whole timeline. Um, and he, I got maybe the people are thinking, oh well, you know, they're scaring everybody. Many people knew. They're scaring everybody from. Well, most Americans didn't. Like there was this whole moment when it came out in in this country where there was all this evidence that came out and they were like, they thought that 
it was one way and then they're like oh shit it was the other way well the public sure the public but yeah. you know officials and people um in power of course knew and journalists many journalists knew and you know so it's just a matter of like what you choose to believe i guess that's that's it i guess that's the convenience of what's easiest to believe right we do kind of have a power of the the world we'll live in in the sense of we can imagine it you know we sort of imagine the context i think there was something that happened that was really big when someone went and videoed you know like there was something where they came back with some actual photographic and video evidence and then everyone saw it i do think that's what happened and then there was a big change and so this reminds me somewhat of what's happened with aoc going there and all of these photos coming back just recently where everyone actually sees it with with evidence and it's unquestionable i mean though it's in our current time where we see these terrible things a lot and people just you see them but you know people that follow fox news they don't see them yeah i think it has to i had always feel somewhat optimistic but now i'm i'm not feeling very optimistic today to be honest but it's like some it has to tip over you know it has to be full and tip maybe over. we should do we should run an ad that's um, sort of like use Trump's ad settings, which you can kind of figure out. Yeah. And so kind of use the same targeting, but, you know, send these other, mm. send this other content. Maybe I'll try doing that. That sounds great. Spend like a hundred bucks, see how far it goes. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see what content you come up with also. I, I don't have a very good time making friends with these kind of people myself. So I'm I just showed it, post some, you know, children in cages and some drawings that they made. You know, yeah. which are these kind of stick figures behind a grid. Right. Really scary. It's like so concentration camp. I think a part of me feels just like I can't do, I really can't rest. Like I feel very full of, I can feel their experience. I feel like I'm there. And Well, yeah, also like as you teach in this camp, you know, and you're playing with children, it just feels really. Yeah, any enjoyment, particularly with children, knowing that so many children are experiencing this, it's just I can't really like let my guard down there's a part of me that is just very like I have a fist you know and it can't really relax until this is over and I certainly can't celebrate our country I can't celebrate what even I think is valuable about it I, I'm just like yeah mm. and I, it's getting heavy right and it's just me com relatively comfortably imagining these other people's experience and that it's getting to be too much for me in this state I can't fathom what's going on for them you know yeah and then how it's going to play out for the next generation for those people and for you know for many generations to come for every single person personally affected by this you know and for our country like this is a stain that we're that's been put on us and i'm an adult in this country and i you know it's i don't want to hold this responsibility and yeah it's it's huge and i think on this day particularly it comes to a, a real point of tension because we're forced to feel celebratory. And I like to take it out on images, like, you know, on cakes, <laughs> on images of cakes of strawberries put into the shape of the national stick American yeah. flag. You know, oh, there's that American, there was, a, did you see the controversy about the American flag? So Nike put out that, is it called Betsy Ross flag? Uh -huh. So there's an edition of Nike sneaker with a Betsy Rose flag, which is said to be the first flag, um, like a handmade flag, mm -hmm. um, representing the states. But apparently it's now a um, kind of a white nationalist, one of the white nationalist symbols. Oh, no. um, so Nike pulled it after uh, the former NFL quarterback 
Colin, is it Kaepernick? Well, that's a kind of a Russian pronunciation, maybe Kaepernick. So he pointed it out, and so they pulled it, and, you know, Trump and Republicans were just so critical, you know, because they're, like, erasing history. But then Donald, um, the junior, like, idiot Donald. Call him the junior. I think that's nice. Oh, is it the junior? <laughs> Let's just call him, <laughs> call the, him the junior. Call him the junior, junior T-Rump. T-Rump. Yeah, like a rump. So dumb. Yeah, good. So he, Junior T-Rump. Mm-hmm. He tweeted this great picture of a sneaker, a Nike sneaker that has, um, so it's in red and yellow, like, so the sole is yellow and the body of the shoe is red, and, you know, there's the swoosh, and it's yellow, but then crossing it is a hammer, which is also yellow. So it's quite like a hammer and sickle, yes. you know, Nike, and he was like, oh, is that what you're going to do next? But it's actually, like, looks like such a hot sneaker, and I would wear it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I might, in fact, like... You should make it. I think you could do that, like, if you get, like, red. Yeah, with the profits from your marketing. I think there's probably, like, a red and yellow. So you can design, usually, on, you know, on their website, like, your custom sneaker. So then I'll just paint the hammer. So great idea. Thank you, Junior. I'll, I'll go and do that. Nice. Maybe you'll make some uh, money from sending your uh, Trump voter targeted ads and then you can buy your sneakers. Oh, yeah. Wait, how will I make money? No, that I'll only be spending money. Unless I, That's right. You're right. Maybe I'll, sell, I'll make the custom sneakers and sell them. That's how I'll fund my Ooh, I love that. Facebook, Instagram ad campaign. Maybe maybe that's how it is. This is solid. Okay, let's, I'll try to do that. Uh, hold me up to it this involves like a lot of the themes of our show also you know shoes yeah um (laughs) robots political images Mm -hmm. yeah bringing it all together action through the internet yeah (laughs) political being active in your living room right very interesting so um I have been trying to figure out how to talk about aging on this show this week. and Well, most of Trump ads are geared towards old people, by the way. Right, and generations, and how different generations think, and what generation I'm in, and what does it mean to be my age, and, and who am I? And there's something about the Democratic candidates in the debates talking about how old they were and how young they were, and the baby boomer generation and, Mm. and, you know, Biden being too old. And then that one guy who was like 50 saying, you know, he was the next generation. He was young and (laughs) fighting over, (laughs) you know, Beto being like this young guy, you know, it's like what? And, and, you know, the power of the young voter is a really big deal, but, you know, everybody knows that all the, every single aspect of the young voter is just like strongly turned towards Bernie. Um, and so, yeah, it got me thinking. Who's also quite old. Right, exactly. Right. And yet has this like deeply progressive, utterly structural, you know, all about structural change. That's because he was born as an old man, as we know from photographic oh, evidence. That's mm. cool. That's another element that's there to talk about. And that comes up at camp, too. Like, some kids are just really old. Like, they seem really old. I was like that. I've been 40 my entire life. God, I'm, like, the opposite. I'm, like, 15 old times. I know. I mean, now I'm kind of, I'm, like, half 40 and half a teenager. And I've always been that way since I was a young child. But there are kids just like that. And definitely Bernie was born. Yeah. 
He wasn't like a Benjamin Button. He was just like himself since a baby and permanently. That's great. Yeah, but he also like actually hadn't changed his looks. He looks the same as he did in like 1984. Yeah. You'll find that if you search. I think that's solid. I think that's. That's a source of integrity, you know? Mm. Though, I mean, you could say the same thing about Trump, though he didn't do it as gracefully. I mean, he did keep his same exact <laughs> look, like, dramatically. Mm. Oh, he's, like, he's like the, the warning, you know? He's the warning story, and Bernie's, like, the success story, you know? It's just, like, be mm. careful as you age. I mean, which is a thing, right? So it's, like, and, and I think, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, you know, this thing of like, what is your primary self? And as your body changes, as you age, even slowly, you know, it kind of really starts to hit you. And and maybe, you know, you have, a, you develop a disability or you get really sick and something changes about your body. You have to, how does like your body changing? Yeah, you have to manage. Yeah. How does your body, what do you do about it when your body changes? And how do you develop a new sense of self or change, develop your sense of self as your body has changed? And there's this thing, I think, that happens where you want to maintain your sense of self, your your like primary sense of self that you develop when, I don't know, like when you were 18 and you can manufacture it once again and try to keep it the same or you can change and uh, develop or, you know, some people transform themselves like quite a lot and some people try to do like the Trump thing or maybe also the Bernie thing where you just like keep the same brand going your entire life even though your body itself changes, you know, like, you can see like the old men with the like dark black hair, you know, and like I've seen people in New York, they like to do this a lot. You'll see older men, sometimes like a couple who are definitely in their, you know, late sixties and they have really tan skin mm. and dyed black eyebrows and dyed black hair. You know, they're really holding on to this like essential self. Yeah, they're also like injections, you know. Right. Like Restylane and yeah. Botox and not to rattle off all the filler names. Not not to be completely aware of them. <laughs> In every detail. Yeah. No, I am as well. And not to not to shame that that instinct that they have or that interest that they have in or their fear or whatever's happening there, you know, even in Trump of this fear of losing power and losing your sense of yourself, this idea of yourself, mm, which was like formalized at a certain point where you feel like mm-hmm. you're at your best and and like a lack of ability to let go of it. I mean, I worked with seniors this whole, they don't like being called seniors. I worked with older adults this whole uh, year and it was a real, like, I'd never really done that before. And it was a shock at first, but also a real education about all the different ways people accept aging and come to it and not even accept it, but just sort of move within it Mm. and not even looking at it like a negative thing. But then there are other people who really don't accept it and are not okay. It's just part of life. But I do think that there's a trend. And I think that I've started this, some sort of other process where there is like a transitional phase where you have to look at it differently and you have to kind of start thinking about these things. That that will happen to you and it's not just something that happens to other people, right? That it's real. Yeah, and I even feel embarrassed talking about it because I can think of the older, not that like my very old, awesome clients are going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, you don't know anything, Janet, you know, but anytime I ever... You should make them... I wish I could. I would broadcast it and get their feedback mm-hmm. and they would totally give it to me and be very measured. Like make a CD or something and then like give it to them. I don't even know if I can make a CD. I did. There was a client who's amazing. Make a record. I, press a record. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. So there's this guy Clyde and uh, he's amazing. He's like from Louisiana. My family's from 
Louisiana like a couple of generations back or two generations, one generation. Right, back. you've spoken and, about the alligator pet before, I remember. Oh, pet. right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So so we bonded on that because there's nobody in, at this, in this area that, you know, is from Louisiana. And he's written all these plays and he was in Vietnam and wrote plays about Vietnam. Mm-hmm. He's very serious, um, but kind of fun member of the, he's very socially open and, and warm and invites other people in and likes to have, you know, he's a PhD, like most of the people that I was hanging out with, which was kind of nice. And we were always having these really great discussions. What, what you age, even if you have a PhD? Right. I know. I was surprised by that. Fact. Shocking. It's terrible. And nobody wants to hear about it too. Like I was the only one who's like, Oh, really? Can you tell me about your thesis? And then I would have these long conversations with each of <laughs> I forgot that was sixty years ago. <laughs> yeah, they would be like, What? Oh, okay. Oh, and then they got all excited talking about their thesis. Oh my gosh. It was wonderful. It was a great job. But he was interesting because he just like seemed to be in some ways very graceful about his sense of self and his, you know, where he was at. And one of the most accepting people in that way. And we were we were close, but then we had to kind of, you know, part ways forever. He would he would actually give me great feedback on it. Wait, I'm s- is it sad forever? Like, did he leave this world? What? Is it sad for him? No, forever. You said, you know, it was we parted ways. And do you mean he well, moved on to the next world? No, no, no. He didn't shuffle on. He um, In social work. Oh, right. You, when you, you do this kind of, you shuffle your clients. Right? There's a, it's called termination, actually, which oh, I think is a so pretty tragic. crazy no. term. Yeah. So when you terminate with a client. That language needs to be adjusted. Oof. No, there. So this field is very self-righteous about it. It's very surgical sounding. No. Yeah, well, it's clinical social work, right? Oh. So when you terminate your relationship with the client, um, you can't talk to them for seven years. <gasps> that is yeah. so scary. Oh, I feel yeah. like, oh, that's really mean because... Oh, it just makes me think about all the, you know, because I feel like there are all these formative people that we meet sometimes, like our teachers, professors, and, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's so often just this fleeting, weird fleeting experience, but really formative. And because we don't stay in the same communities, you remove or, you know, we grow up, we get old, mm-hmm. like we just don't, we just really lose touch with these people. But it's just kind of sad because you would think that, you know, if you make a human connection, shouldn't you just right. keep in touch or something? Um, but it's just, it's like we're weird ships just passing each other by and honking. Yeah, I mean, we had a, we had a bunch of classes about it in school and I really did kind of start to agree with the reason for it eventually by the end mm. of it um, because... They shouldn't look at you as a human or something? You're just... A, right. You're just like a, a monitor in a way or something, a mirror? No, yeah, a monitor. I mean, you're, you're a mirror. Your job is to really see them and reciprocate their experience and... Like validate. validate and care for them in this very deep kind of essential way Mm -hmm. and you're you're carefully losing your ooh that was an interesting slip but you're carefully using yourself that was very freudian slip slip of the slip (laughs) i know i know i think my social work supervisor needs to listen to that carefully losing yourself losing yourself i think i'm carefully Losing myself all the time. Right, I know. Not even that carefully. Yeah, well, okay, I mean, I'll go with it. Like, you're carefully losing and using yourself, but then in order to regain your your full self as a therapist and in order for them to have a full relationship with their next person, you have to terminate. Mm. And they talk very carefully about, are they, you know, how you're supposed to terminate 
you're supposed to really honor the work, quote unquote, which was a really bad word to use with another one of my clients. But anyway, you're supposed to really validate and, or just value the work, give it a place, give it an ending so that they can begin again with someone else mm. at the same level and with the same intimacy. And so if you leave it untied and kind of open-ended, then in very intense clinical situations, which is not what I was in, you know, people could be suicidal and have a really hard time and then be calling you in the middle of the night mm. and then you're responsible for them, mm -hmm. you know, in a certain way. But my clients, you know, I, we didn't necessarily have that level of interaction, but I did in some ways. And um, you do it so that they can be with someone else. And so like as a teacher, I understand that really well that at the end of the year, particularly as like a freelance teacher, it's like, I'm going away. Bye-bye. It's like a Mary Poppins kind of thing. And I, I accept it because they need to connect to their next teacher. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I suppose you don't have to hold on. Yeah. In a way. And yeah, I mean, I will say my work life, I've known so many kids and, and now adults that I have, you know, built these relationships with that are really important to me that in a way, if I kept up with every single one of them, it would get really overwhelming. True. Yes. That's, you would have to become a rabbi or something. If you wanted to keep in touch with them all the time. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there's other interesting parts. You know, there so for seven years, right? So when I left some of my students, you know, set eight, ten years ago, I'm now friends with them online and they're all twenty-five. Mm. And I mean, I'm not I don't like talk to them all the time. I I still try to keep boundaries with them. Hi, if any of you guys are listening. But you know, I feel like it's okay and I can talk to them and we can, you know, regain our teacher student kind of theater. Cause particularly because some of them were like actors at Cannes Film Festival and they're, you know, graduate playwrights. So in some ways, like I do want to talk to them just because I knew them when they were little and now I know them when they're yeah. theater professionals, which Yeah, I just feel I feel like, you know, what you mentioned earlier, you know, seven years, um, well, seven is kind of a pretty number in general. Like, there's this, I feel like when I studied um, yeah. in Israel, you have to take an exam and, and, like, your knowledge of Bible and for secular school as well. But seven was, like, a typological number, which I don't remember what that means, but that's just, you know, it's a special number. But anyway, I guess that when that time pillow happens, you can kind of be reborn as these new... Yeah, you're reborn. ...new selves in which and you can kind of encounter each other in a different way. Yeah, that's interesting. You just have to wait the seven years. Isn't that the amount of time that it takes a body to regenerate all of its cells? It is. Is it a myth? I don't know. I'm not... I don't want to look it up because I want to believe that. Uh, okay, fine. We can believe it. I think I've heard something similar as well. And I think in astrology, there, I think there's something about the seven. But, you know, yeah, it's a mm. typological mm. number. <laughs> for, I think maybe for me, at this moment I guess I'm having another one of those kinds of transitional moments where it's like okay what am I looking forward at and what's behind and who am I now and mm. it's been really nice being with them because I think two years ago I felt oh you know I felt much older and now that I've hung out with them for so long some of them are my you know were my friends in some ways and my clients certainly and they're 94 mm. <laughs> And I'm not 94. There's a long time between, you know, the age that we're at at this moment and there, there's a, an entire lifetime. So it's interesting, but it's a different life. And then hanging out with children and hanging out with people at my school that are 22, it's sort of like, okay, I have a different job in my life right now. And caretaking, I think I'm much more involved in caretaking. Like, you know, you know, my mother, I can see my parents are going to be needing help in the next you know, maybe five years, and that's real. That hits very in a very real way. Yeah, I mean, I think as people generally live longer today, there's that yeah. we do need to think about that also, I think how that functions in society. And here, you know, 
I think one of the reasons why older people are so drawn to Trump is that he, without really offering a practical solution, he you know, appears to present a kind of a certainty of belief that seems reassuring. Mm. And I think because people don't really have a lot of social net here, yeah, um, maybe that appeals to them because he always presents this magical reality in which we will make America great again, you know, and mm-hmm. to everyone that means something else, right? But it's such a nice sentiment to get behind. Yeah. And so, you know, they're like, oh, yes, it's going to be great. I'm going to help. He'll protect you know, us. He'll protect, He'll protect us. us. My, mm-hmm. you know, my mortgage will go away. I don't know. Just, yeah, I think that's right. You know, I will like, I will be healthy forever. You know, it's, it's magical thinking. And, it, and great again. So in some ways, it's going back to their past when things seemed a little bit more stable, when literally our economy was different. Yeah, and they were more powerful. They just, they were possibly healthier. I think life does, um, I went to this financial workshop for artists and she said something about, she's like, oh, you really should think about, you know, think ahead because, you know, you might be kind of roughing it in a bohemian way now, but when you're like, get older then everyone Everyone starts to need more comfort and certainty as you get older. Mm. And I was like, oh, really? Because I'm a bit, you know, I think I don't really have that. I'm really a kind of a person of the moment and impulsive and, you know, and mm-hmm. I have a hard time thinking beyond now. So I had to really stop and consider Yeah, me too. that idea. Um, my mom is like that. She always thinks forward. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why I get so annoyed at it. I'm like, oh, well, you know, life might end tomorrow. Just let's just live now. Right. I think we, I mean, I definitely feel like I developed my identity in counter to my mom's tendency to be that way. Mm-hmm. Though she is spontaneous. I feel like I wanted to be more adventurous and more brave, which I do think I did. I feel proud that I did. I, I live my life up till now in a, in a brave way. Like I moved really far away and I did all these professional things that were a big risk and developed an identity that was really against the grain from where I grew up. Um, Yeah, now I think looking at her, I do value her planning and preparation and like her seriousness in a way, which is, I th- I, just from what I've studied, is, is a normal thing developmentally, I think, exactly now to be thinking in these ways. But I think what I'm excited about is is kind of what we talked about with your financial advisor a couple times, that that we can think about it in our own way. We can design and develop, you know, what we want our lives to look like and our financial life and our social life and our whole situation, we can do that ourselves and use the amount of spontaneity and creativity and, you know, thinking that we've had our whole life in this process and do it our own way. Sure. You know, I feel like that's such a self-care myth, you know, that if you, oh, you know, you can just do... Oh, absolutely. No, I agree. Whatever you want. Because I don't think it's... I mean, I think the social factors in the society you live sure. in, what kind of... No, that's... Um, I mean, it's totally neoliberal, but I mean, I believe this in terms of socialism. I believe this in terms of transform structural transformation as well to everyone in accordance to their means yeah i mean that's why i live that's why i live in this city because this is one of the most socialist cities there is and i want to at least i can't believe i'm like sounding like i support de blasio for president i really don't but some of the things that he said are some things that i kind that of resonate agree and i want to go even farther i mean he was like i want to i want to give the social welfare system great system that we have in new york to the whole country um mm-hmm. there's a lot in that that is problematic but as a minimum you know my friends in texas well, health care should be all right right my friends in texas don't have that you know you have even better health care in california i mean it's like minimally i want to give people the options that i have here that i don't have if i live in texas or georgia or all of mostly the red states you know and housing justice is also kind of uh, something I'm looking at for going 
going forward and as like a national idea and, you know, looking at rent stabilization and working on universal rent control for all kind of situations, which is like super socialist. But that to me makes me feel optimistic about what's going to happen in the rest of my life because, yeah, and maybe it's like a new way of thinking that makes me feel motivated. I'm passionate. It's it's sort of like, okay, I do want to work on my financial situation and have more money and, and a little bit more security, but I'm certainly more interested in you know, giving my time and my life to to change to structural change. Yeah, we can also just print some money. Oh <laughs> no, what are you proposing? Your money would look beautiful. I would love to carry your money. Make <laughs> some some beautiful money, or we can like develop a cryptocurrency. What would it look like? Please, please do that as a project. Like, I have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, come back with your propositions. With my design, which I will only describe. I don't know if this is illegal, but we're proposing that all of our artist friends design original money and original currencies. Well, you know, art is kind of a currency in of itself. You're right. That's great. But you can't eat it. Because it's currency. Facebook's trying to make money. Did you did you read that? Libra, yeah. And I felt for, you know, people that are committed to astrology as a viable discipline, um, you know, that are Libras. Yeah. And because they wanted to title it as Lib- Libra. Are you a Libra by any chance? I have a Libra moon. Whatever that means. but I yeah. don't know what that means. Cause <laughs> I don't really I am, know. I am uh, questionable. You're an, you're an aficionado, right? I am Marianne Williamson and I have a Libra moon. She's a very <laughs> funny person. Um, I didn't know actually anything about her, but I'm delighted by her yes. by her statements on Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to send her some nice thoughts right now, and I think she'll probably get them. No, she probably, she's on that frequency, yeah. But yeah, I did, I did, we did read, and I think um, there was a request, um, Congress requested Facebook to sort of pause their development as they consider. But it is a frightening, frightening thing, because um, yes. that just brings, you know, a private company closer to a powerful position that is so frightening because so I've been reading um, I just got this book by Shoshana Zuboff uh, Surveillance Capitalism yes I know that book yeah so I just started it but anyway she talks a lot about how you know this sort of social media companies they're invest in people's futures they started off with an investing in people's futures and it was based on predicting what they will do you know based on their behavior Mm -hmm. but it has shifted towards ensuring that they do like shifting them towards a behavioral pattern essentially like knowing Mm -hmm. them so well that you know that you have the power to ensure that behavior ensure their future essentially and and make it of benefit to to you at the at the kind of economic unit, mm-hmm. so really frightening in that way, you know. And like, if you think of that kind of entity entering into proper like monetary exchange, mm-hmm. it just like becomes a really terrifying world of like where you're just being pushed around to. I mean, purchasing is such a big part of identity, you know, everywhere really. Like you know, right. as it's like as a human and as a consumer, I feel like it just has such a familiar sound, like that combination of words, mm-hmm. like as a mother and a consumer, as a daughter and a consumer. Right. I just feel like they would just own all of it. You know, there's like no room left for the abstract and the unformed and like the 
and deliberate and just and in some ways in choice and meandering and choices like you know it's just ugh, it becomes it's too frightening and i hope libras will gather and like do a collective spell or something yes. so that it may never come to pass well we'll think about it a lot and we'll do their back and forth and then we'll throw a big party and uh discuss it probably can you upset the scales isn't libra like the scale sign yeah yes maybe you can like upset jump on one side i don't know something yeah libra soul though is is like you don't know what to do like you can't you're going back and forth and you wait you're indecisive i didn't know it's somewhat indecisive i thought it was on the country a very well balanced and like knowing exactly what is that you know where you are a centered centered right i can't believe i'm doing this on here but there's no better place okay there's like the negative and the positive of each sign and so on one hand one hand it's like it's measured and likes to get like the way that i feel like i'm positive in this way is that i like to hear many perspectives, even if they're not my own perspective. And like, I'm really into feedback forums in performance communities, you know, and like I run them with my students and I'm really into nonviolent communication. What is that? Feedback forum? What? It's like where everyone can say they're due and feel balanced and, okay. you know, create. Yeah. You kind of go like the Liz Lerman method in which you, is yeah. that what it is? Like when you go around and everyone gets like round robin when everyone gets to say something. So, right? Yeah. But it's like the artist controls whether or not it's positive or negative. So if the artist isn't ready for it to be like harsh or it has to be constructed in a certain way that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's helpful to them. Yeah. And it's not just like people having their little beefs with each other. It becomes about, con- it's just, it's truly constructive criticism or it's truly constructive compliment. You know, it's not just bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the positive. And then the negative of it is dithering and just like not quite knowing what to do and, mm-hmm. you know, going really far on one Saturday. Well, we can all relate to dithering, I think. I certainly can dither away. And I think, you know, just, I don't know. I feel so conflicted about, you know, thinking a lot about psychology and human agency and, and trying to be helpful with with my students and with my clients and stuff. And then thinking about astrology and <laughs> I don't, and like strain. Psychology, astrology. It, what's weird is that a lot of the people I know who I really respect, who are great social workers are also really interested in astrology and it's troubling because on one very scientific side, I feel kind of like, I don't know. But then on another side, it's just another frame to see things through that is a way to start. But it's more poetic somehow, you know, it, it takes is. you away from the facts into this kind of inter- metaphorical metaphor is important. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because social, the way humans connect is often through um, social contexts that are really hard to define. And it's almost like to get the ball rolling between two people, you need to talk about some bullshit that doesn't doesn't need to be true. And I, that sounds like a really scary statement. But, you know, in just like hanging out, you know, it's like the weather, like when we're like, oh, the weather's this, the weather's that. Right. When yeah. you're kind of making small talk, you're not really doing that. You're saying, are you okay? Are you my friend? Yeah, you're my friend. Okay, great. We're reinforcing that. Yeah. And in that way, I feel like astrology is kind of interesting and useful and nice. And Well, you can laugh about it together, at least, if nothing else. I always need to, you know, have a critical eye on it. But I have, it's interesting because I've definitely jumped in a little deeper. I'm, I'm kind of up to my 
up to my thigh in the astrology situation. And I live my life like up to my knee for a really long time. And I'm concerned about the depth that I'm getting into mm. it, but I'll just be open. I'm not alone. I mean, it's happening. Kind well, of. self-awareness. I think, yeah, Los Angeles is like about up to the ears. So, you know, we're just wading through, wading through the signs. <laughs> I know. And Instagram, you can make a lot of money being an Instagram astrology person. Uh, against the influencers. I feel like actually there's a cute story I read today about this um, ice cream truck man here in LA who was um, getting harassed by influencers who wanted free ice cream. <laughs> so then he declared that everyone, you know, that considers themselves an influencer and are asking for free ice cream will have to pay double. So if it was four before, they'll have to pay eight. I think it's very, very sweet. Yeah. I like boundaries. Mm. Well, I like that they need to engage in the in the living economy because they're making money off of the imaginary economy, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And the ice cream is like, real. Ice cream. But it's like only so real though because it melts so quickly, you know? So wow. I think they, they meet at this strange, intangible point, you know? Instagram can't even melt. Like it can't even melt. Well, they... I mean, it wishes it could melt, but it can't. And that's what I'm going to tell Zuckerberg. Well, actually, you know, yesterday, another great breaking news story I remember when it was like what's up on facebook messenger and instagram rolled yeah. down i felt it you know i wanted to post a story and i couldn't when did that happen that was in the morning i woke up and like i had really anyway i, I wanted to document and a situation in my bedroom um but then <laughs> instagram what? wouldn't work it wasn't an interesting situation it was just like a hair situation but yeah. um anyway it wouldn't work so i give up but then i i heard that it was down and it's like oh down it goes i wonder if it happened at the same time that i was listening to children sing to a really loud beautiful piano song that my friend was playing maybe that's and I why began. it went down because yeah and I, I wept because it was so, i don't know i might have pms or oh. i've just it was just that amazing you want to sing the song i don't know what they were singing they were i forget it was but it was just like this very intense thing that it just was very overwhelming and maybe that was also the moment that the internet melted a little bit i hope so i'm gonna hope so i feel very proud of myself that i wasn't just like sitting around on instagram i was having this like embodied experience that i'm always wishing i'm having you know you know talk promoting on this podcast yeah melting melting maybe it's time to go melt into the world, you know. I'm gonna go to the pool. Yeah, so. I have melted during the during this. You melted? Yeah, I melted for sure. My ice is gone. It melted. <laughs> That's when you know the podcast needs to end when the yeah. ice melts. Maybe that should always be the cue. Good boundaries, ice cubes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm happy to be talking again. I'm glad to be back. I know. It's so nice to have you back. Yeah, back centered. Back in the ether. Uh, back and centered and. We'll be back yet again next week. Yeah, come back. Keep listening. Or follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, where we post very rarely. But, you know, if you use that platform, maybe we'll post more. Um, Yeah, say hello in some ways through the internet or like in person. No, Yeah, send us your images of your potential currency. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see this. Yeah, and keep an eye out for the yellow um, communist sneaker that will be coming out soon. All right, over now. Ciao. Bye. Bye.